Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Ferguson, Missouri. In this offering, Pastor Chandler explores how the disciples seek a normal life following the resurrection of Jesus. Is such a thing possible after encountering the risen Christ? Listen as Pastor Patrick brings a word entitled, Back to Normal, based on John 21, verses 1 through 19. To learn more about St. Peter's, you may find us on the web at www.stpeterschurch.org or on Facebook by searching St. Peter's UCC Ferguson. Our scripture reading this morning is from John 21, verses 1 to 19. If you would like to follow along, it is on page 115 in your pew Bible. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, We will go with you. And they went out and they got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach. But the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? And they answered, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, a 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes. Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to them, 
Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter felt hurt because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wish. But when you grow old, you will need to stretch out your hand and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. And he said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. And after this, he said to them, follow me. God bless the reading of his holy word. Church, I want to invite you to please join me in just a moment of prayer. Most holy God, we come to you this day as a part of our worship. We set aside this time each and every week to be in your presence, to be together in sacred community. Sometimes perhaps we take these moments for granted. We treat them as the norm. But God, now as we stand on this side of Easter, may we know that we can no longer return to life as it once was life as we used to experience. So God, open us, our eyes, our ears, our spirits to be receptive to your good news today, to, to be able to see with new vision, to be able to hear with new ears, to be able to love with new hearts. And God, may the words of my lips and the meditations found within those hearts gathered here this day be pleasing be acceptable and be faithful to you, for it is in the name of the risen Christ we pray. Amen. So what do you do? What do you do when it feels like everything that you once hoped for, everything that you once wanted, everything that you once placed all of your faith and all of your trust in, what do you do when all of that disappears? Literally overnight. What do you do when the very thing that you have given all of your time and all of your energy, all of your blood and your sweat and your tears, all seems to have been a waste when you wake up the next day? Apparently you go fishing. At least that was the choice of Peter and six of his colleagues that one day after the resurrection of Jesus. Peter, one of the first witnesses to the empty tomb, according to John's Gospel. Peter, presumably present among the other disciples as they were locked behind closed doors when the risen Christ appeared that Easter night. Peter, presumably present again the next week as Thomas's uncertainty becomes transformed. Peter. Still not quite sure what to do after what Willow Willman refers to as the humiliation of the cross. Simon Peter decides to do the only thing he knows to do. 
Peter goes back to work doing what he had done most of his adult life, probably what he had done even as a child, what he had done up until that day, his brother Andrew came to him with the news, we have seen the Messiah. And it was that same day, the one once known as Simon met Jesus for the first time. And on that day, everything about Simon changed. His life, his name, his vocation. For three years, Simon, Peter, and the others followed Jesus, doing their best, often imperfectly, but still, I believe, very faithfully and sincerely. But now it was gone. Only one of the disciples, again according to John's Gospel, was there to witness the death of Jesus. The rest, including Peter, were scattered into the wind. Yet an empty tomb and two other post-resurrection accounts were not enough to overcome a natural human inclination. When our lives experience something that derails us, something that takes us away from our routine or the patterns we have become accustomed to in the everyday, we human beings want things to get back to normal as quickly as possible. There are some people, so I've heard, who actually take down their Christmas tree on December 26th and pack everything away. We keep it up till February, if possible. But... Not for any religious reasons, obviously. But people, I hear there are people who do this, take put everything down, take everything down on the 26th, pack it away, and do not bring it out again until next Thanksgiving Day. Why? Because they want things back to normal. The chair that no one sits in that had to be moved out of the room for the Christmas tree to go in has to get back in that place in order for things to be back to normal. They want their life to be as it was for the previous 11 months. Parents of small children, school-age children, come end of June, middle of July, what can they not wait for? School to begin. Why? So the kids can get out of the house and things can go back to normal. But we know not again, not in our home. But we know that things never go back to normal, even when the kids go back to school. I cannot count the number of times that a person, after a person has experienced some rite of passage, the death of a loved one, a lengthy illness, a divorce, somewhere throughout that conversation, they will inevitably say, I am ready for things to get back to normal. Guess what? There's no such thing as normal. It's all about finding that new normal. All about finding how now life will continue after some event. After any event in life. You cannot go back to normal no matter how much you may wish and want and tell yourself otherwise. I had a young couple come to me, this was years ago. They were expecting their first child and they were of course anxious and stressed as all first time parents are. They were even, yes, as some first time parents are frustrated by all of the changes they were already experiencing during those months of pregnancy. 
And even by the changes, they were expecting to come down the pike very soon. And I cannot remember which one of them said it to me, but they said, one of them actually said, once this baby is born, life will get back to normal. <laughs> I just let that hang out there in the air for just a moment. And I just nodded a little and I said, well, you know, let me know how that works out for you. <laughs> In about 20 or 30 years, life is about continually adjusting to new circumstances. Some of those circumstances are welcome. Some of them are not. But each day is, lived, is to be lived fresh and new. But also each day is built upon some previous experience. We cannot merely wish some event away because it has disrupted our routine. Peter and the other six that day, they went fishing. They returned to their previous jobs, their former way of living and being in the world, perhaps trying to erase the horrors of their recent past. Now, unlike the other post-resurrection experiences that John tells us about, He's not very specific about the timing of this third appearance. This one appears in the form of some kind of epilogue, if you will. In fact, the whole 21st chapter of John could very well have been added sometime later after the rest of the gospel began to emerge and circulate among the, the early church. So far, the disciples have experienced an empty tomb, news of a resurrection, and two other appearances, and yet they still want things to be normal again. Church, that is called denial. That is denial, plain and simple, because let's face it, no matter how hard we might try, life can never be normal again after an experience with the risen Christ. Let's say that again. Life can never be normal again after an experience with the risen Christ. We simply don't get to go back to work or go back to school or go home or whatever acting, whatever you have to do, acting like it never happened. We try. We try and do it all the time. Two weeks ago, we had, at least I think, an amazing and glorious Easter celebration. I mean, I left here exhausted, Josh left here exhausted, but we left here fulfilled having truly experienced resurrection faith in everything we did that day. And I hope that each of you who were here had a similar experience. I know some of you did because you told me after worship and after Bible study you did. But then we went home. Or maybe we had Easter lunch. Or maybe we then went and took our Easter nap. Or maybe we did all three. And the next day, for many of us, was a normal, typical Monday. Whatever the previous 51 Mondays had been prior to Easter Monday, it probably it looked very similar. They look very similar to what that first Monday after Easter looked like for most people. Yet that morning along the beach, the risen Christ appeared yet again and through that appearance essentially said, 
things can't be familiar or the same anymore. There's no returning to normal. There is still way too much work left to be done. The fishing trip the night before had been a disaster. The disciples had been up all night. They had caught nothing. Luke tells of a very similar fishing account in the fifth chapter. And in that story, Luke places it at the beginning of his gospel, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus then tells Simon Peter to put the nets out in deeper water. Cast your nets out in the deeper water. The result of which is not only nets bursting at their seams, but also enough fish to fill and almost sink two boats, but it also yields a catch of a different kind. Luke's story is a story about calling. From that fishing trip, Jesus calls his first disciples in Luke. Come with me and I will teach you how to catch people from now on, Jesus says. But by placing the story at the end of his gospel, as epilogue, as a post-resurrection experience, John is also, in a sense, offering a story about calling, but he's doing so very differently. Where Luke's Jesus is seeking followers, John's Jesus is seeking servant leaders, people to carry forward what has yet to be completed. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. The one who once referred to himself as the great shepherd is now saying to those who have experienced the resurrected Christ, there is still much more caring and tending to do. It is now up to you. It is up to you, each one of you who have encountered the risen Christ, to fulfill, to embody the love command that I gave to you. Simon Peter, do you love me? Well, yes, Lord, you know I do. Simon Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I do. Simon Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Jesus ties service to love. Feeding to love. Tending to love. We don't get to just act like none of this ever happened. We don't just wait for things to get back to normal. Now that Easter has passed, things to get back to normal with Jesus because there's no such thing as a normal life with Jesus. Say that again. There is no such thing as a normal life with Jesus. Every day, every encounter becomes something new and something different. We spend so much time and energy and focus on Easter of the empty tomb. And appropriately so, 
Come and celebrate the empty tomb. Churches put it on their signs, they put it on their bulletins, they put it in their advertisements. Come and celebrate the empty tomb. The tomb was found empty, everyone proclaims on Easter Sunday. Hallelujah! Empty tomb, empty tomb, empty tomb, empty tomb. But y'all, Easter is not just about the empty tomb. Easter Day is just as much about, and I think perhaps maybe even a little bit more about, encountering and experiencing the risen Christ along our journey. And that takes Easter beyond just one day. That takes Easter beyond just one event. Look at how many times already in the Gospel of John... Three times. The disciples of Jesus. Four if you count. You count uh, Mary on Easter day. In the garden with the risen Lord. How many times. Did disciples encounter the risen Christ. Beyond the empty tomb. How many times have you encountered God. How many times have you encountered the risen Christ in your life. Here we are trying to just go about the normal things of life. And we realize we can't. We can't because we have experienced the risen Christ in each other. In the smile and the laughter of each other. In the need of someone to be fed. In an act love and grace and mercy. In the celebration of a ministry that carried on for 42 years. We see and we experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We experience the presence of a resurrected Christ. And it is then it is then that we come to realize one of the great mysteries of the faith. That once we encounter Jesus, there is no more getting back to normal. Our lives are forever changed. Our lives are forever transformed. Because, because of Easter, the new normal, the new normal must be a life of feeding and tending Tending and feeding. And because of Easter, this new normal, this new normal that is every, ever changing, ever transforming, looking and feeling ever so different than the day before, because of Easter, the new normal must be in and through and with all things.